This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet. Jet, how are you? I'm well, Dr. John. It's good to see you feeling a little bit better this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... I, last week, I had no idea if I could make it through the show. Yeah, I know. It's been a tough couple of weeks for you, but uh, yeah. glad to hear you're bouncing back. Yeah, trying to and trying to get as much rest as I possibly can. Much needed, yeah. I guess. Well, I hope so. Yeah, it'll catch up to you. Oh, yeah. You'll get there. So, let me ask you this. Go right uh, I know you, you and Iris were just talking about uh, kind of like the decline of these uh, college all-star games. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think about the uh, the Jets and uh, what they may be seeing at the uh, Senior Bowl this week? And I think that uh, it's kind of interesting that they did get to coach finally this year after, what, 20, 25 years being away. And I wonder if it has anything to do with uh, Phil Savage being on the crew now. Could be. I mean, you know, it, it, and honestly, if you if you go back and, you know, talk to teams and all that stuff, having the ability to coach the seniors you know, it's a big aid because you sp- you get to spend more time with them. You get to know them better. And it does, I think, help uh, in the drafting process, particularly if the seniors are that good. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree because you get to see them, yeah. well, I don't say 24-7, but uh, you kind of get to see them interact with everybody. You get to see their, a sense of their personality that no wonder, like, test is going to give you any insight into or some sort of, like, 10-minute speed dating interview. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. You get to see the person in action under a somewhat stressful situation, a social situation, and you get a feel for what they'd be like in a clubhouse, not just what they can do out on the field. So, yeah, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a great chance for the Jets because they've got such great draft capital this year. And, uh, I mean, they've got two picks in each of the first uh, five rounds except for round three. So, uh, I really think it gives them a chance to really score perhaps in rounds four and five this year. Right. Um, uh, so I think it's just a wonderful timing opportunity for the Jets. Well, and, I, it's a, and it's been about the last couple of days I started looking through some mock drafts, <clears throat> and it's, it sure seems as though the way the draft shapes up, uh, whether it's seniors or non-seniors or underclassmen and all that stuff, you know, the two, two first-round picks in whatever order are going to be offensive tackle or an offensive lineman and a uh, defense, an, a defensive edge rusher. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that at four, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, uh, the the top couple of uh, edge rushers could actually fall to the Jets. Right, agreed. It does look like the Jacksonville is probably going to. I'm guessing is going to take a tackle if they. If yeah, they're I think smart. everything it seems like they're going to do is take Neil the tackle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, you know, I, I, I tell you what's interesting, and this and this affects uh, Irish Mankey is that, uh, you know, the Notre Dame safety, and this yeah. will affect the uh, the Jets too, the Notre Dame safety a lot of people have as the third pick in the draft, and I don't think they're too far off on that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when you first asked yeah. me about it. Yeah, Harrison is the guy I really want to see the Jets take mm-hmm. at four because uh, I think that uh, he's a playmaker. You know, and that's one thing the Jets need on both sides of the ball. They're slowly starting to accumulate them, I think, on offense. But defense, my God, they need a ball hawk. They need a playmaker. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what Harrison mm-hmm. is. 
And not only that, but he's like, you know, the Swiss Army life type that just, uh, you know, translates so well into the modern-day NFL. He can cover. He can cover the big guys. He can cover the little guys. He can play center field. He can come down and rush. He can play in the box. He's exactly what uh, the modern-day NFL is looking for. So he's the guy I'm really hoping they'll pick at number four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he could go number three, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, there's no doubt he's that good. I mean, and, you know, no, and, you know, Irish Mankey identified him right in the middle of the season as being that good. Oh, yeah. And he was right. Yeah. He, yeah he's been all over him. Yeah. And, um, no, he's the guy I really want to see them take at number four. And that's what I told you a couple of weeks ago. And I still hold to that because I think he's, uh, I mean, and they need him. I mean, they desperately need safety help. Right. You know, whether they pick up a veteran in, in free agency, which they might because there's a couple out there, and that'd be fine. But they still need a, a second one because, quite frankly, I think they still need two. Because, honestly, right now, I don't think they have an NFL-caliber safety on their roster. Well, it's I mean, yeah, you don't think they're going to bring back Marcus May then? Well, I would be surprised. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's not going to happen until way late in the process. But I can, I mean, you never say never. And with Joe Douglas, if the price is right, I suspect he'll jump. But I can see the Jets being a little bitter with Marcus May because he wasn't honest with him about that DUI case that he's fighting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, they kept trying to push for the contract extension, the contract extension. And they never divulged the DUI. And uh, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty chapped about that if I'm Joe Douglas. Understand, yeah. And then on top of it, he's coming off a major injury. Yeah, yeah. And that's a tough injury, um, especially in the defensive backfield. So, you know, like I said, he's a great, he's a good clubhouse guy, a solid safety, not a playmaker, but he's solid. Um, But I think. You know, if the price is right, who knows? I'm a little more intrigued by uh, Lamarcus Joyner. Uh, if they try to sign him again, because he's a free agent uh, and mm-hmm. never really got on the field. Never got yet, on the field, no. Yeah, but I'd be a little more intrigued with him than I would Marcus. But Mann. I was looking at some of the numbers and, you know, some of the you know, sites that uh, you know, look into contracts and things like that. They still think Marcus May in the open market can get $13.2 million a year. And you And I would um, agree with you that the Jets aren't going to pay that. Oh, God, no. You weren't willing to pay it when he was healthy and honest. No, I know. You know, so and then coming back from an Achilles, um, and he's not a kid anymore. He's what, like twenty seven, twenty eight? So right, right. I don't know, John. I, you know, and don't forget, I don't know what the league is going to do with him and his DUI conviction. He may very well be missing the first you know, quarter of the season. Ah, eh, probably two games. Well, I mean, if the, still, the, I mean, the, the yeah. fact, the fact, well, you know, you're, you may be right. It may be longer than that because the fact that they hid the information, you know, that that works against them. Yeah, I can definitely see the administration being pretty chapped about that. Um, I don't know, but the NFL is a sucker born every minute, so you mm-hmm. know, desperation breeds breeds overspending, as we well know in New York, or I should say, New Jersey. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see Harrison uh, be uh, a go to fourth pick. I still contend, and, and it's what, what I think is really going to be interesting about this draft is what's going to happen down around 9, 10, uh, because 
you got Washington picking at 11. Mm-hmm. And none of these quarterbacks are, you know, designated to be top, you know, top five or anything like that. But when it gets to be about, you know, 9, 10, 11, I think you're going to see some start peeling off the board, especially because Washington needs one. So I'm kind of wondering if the Jets may be with that 10th pick sitting pretty to deal it to a team that needs to pick up a quarterback. And the 10th spot, I think, would be ideal for for a couple of these kids. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe Douglas jump back from that 10th pick and add to draft capital either later in the draft yeah, this year. I, I, here's here's, here's year. my problem with that is that it's like uh, you know, they've already accumulated a lot of draft choices. Pick quality. And, you know, if the 10th pick, and I think the 10th pick has a chance to be a good position player, draft them. Don't give – I mean, because, you know – uh, there's there's still a chance that Denver might take a quarterback at seven, and then Washington take one with their pick. I mean that may be a little bit of a reach, it may not. But uh, there, you know some of the mock drafts have you know uh, Washington taking a quarterback and Denver taking a quarterback. Although ultimately, I don't think Denver's drafting a quarterback because I think they're going to be trading for and getting Aaron Rodgers. You really do? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, because think about this. Huh. It's like, uh, you know, Aaron, I, I, I can't see Aaron wanting to stay, so he's going to be traded. And, of course, if you're Denver, and see if you appreciate this, you know, with uh, Zach Wilson and all the quarterbacks in the AFC, who are you going to <clears throat> find uh, to compete against the good young quarterbacks, the Joe Burrows, the uh, J- Justin Hebert, yeah. a- a- you know, certainly Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you need a stud quarterback. And even though yeah. he's toward the end of his career, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a stud quarterback. They have to trade for him. Yeah. No, it makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, Denver's got a pretty stout roster uh, to put around him. I mean, they're not a fledgling team. Um, and they've got weapons. It's just the real piece that they've been missing now for, you know, the last several years is the quarterback. Right. So I, I would agree that, I mean, if they can finish that, uh, fill that quarterback hole, I think that they're in contention. Um, it's just a question. I wonder, you know, how much do you think, how much do you think, well, okay, strike that. Uh, I think you know, them, them picking a packet as the head coach was a clear indication that I think they're going to make a big play for Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I, I think that was a pretty good sign there. Um, what do you think is the, the, the Packers are going to be able to command? Uh, I mean, this is a Denver Post post from a couple weeks ago. A number one next year, or in th- this year, 2022, a number two that can upgrade to a number one based on, you know, how far the team goes into playoffs. And then, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver, and then two young defensive players. Boy. Yeah. Stay- I guess you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, stay tuned. Hey, but got to run. Yeah. Okay, Jack. All right. Take care, John. Have yourself a good week and uh, keep the rebound coming. Okay. Sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Well, there's no guarantee 
that the Seattle Seahawks are going to be able to get uh, Sean Desai, the uh, Chicago de- guy candidate for defensive coordinator. He is interviewing this weekend with the New York Giants for the defensive coordinator job, as is Wink Martindale. So it's like uh, looks like there's a little competition there, and so uh, we'll see where that goes because you know, it looks like Patrick Graham is probably going to leave and go to a different team. Uh, he's their de- you know defensive coordinator from last year. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Seattle. Hey Rick. Hi John. Hey, Happy how- Saturday. Um, two questions. Yeah. Uh, one of rules related. One one Super Bowl. And uh-huh. um, first one, it's one I've been kicking around for many years with friends. Mm-hmm. And it all started with the Seahawks when they played Atlanta back in I think it was twenty thirteen in the playoff game. It a furious comeback. They got ahead. Um, Atlanta had 31 seconds um, uh, to get down the field, and they eventually did and kicked a field goal. But I'm going to relate that to the Kansas City Buffalo game, and with you know very little time left, and how a team can try and kill some clock on defense without yeah. people running plays. And you've probably talked about this with your many um, interviews across the nation uh, at some point, but. What is what is against a defense trying to just hold every receiver coming off the line? And then, because it's a five-yard penalty, automatic first down, but mm-hmm. it might kill three, four, five seconds potentially. And I don't know if there's this – it just seems like a team would have done that by now, so there must be a reason <laughs> – that they haven't, but I don't know what it is. So that's why I'm asking. Well, if you, if you go back to uh, the early uh, 2000s, I mean, that's what uh, the Indianapolis Colts claimed that the Patriots did. You know, just held, mm-hmm. held, held their receivers and all that stuff. And so it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing is, it's a penalty and you don't get, I mean, time, you give them more time to do things and you get the five yards. But yeah, you're right. They don't get the yards. Because, I mean, that, that was the thing that's so amazing about the divisional round because just about in every game there was big plays in the final seconds uh, when there's no t- very little time left in the clock that set up like in the three games for field goals, field goal drives. Then, of course, you're right about the 13 seconds it took, less than 13 seconds for Kansas City to be able to get their field goal to take the game into overtime. So it's like, uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, I guess what it comes down to is that, uh, you know, you if you know the penalties are coming, you're going to throw the flag as fast as possible and give the other team as much time as he can, as they can. Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe you, you catch the offense off guard, maybe at least yeah. on the first one, you know, on, in the in the Buffalo Kansas City game, you mm-hmm. know, if, if you held Kelsey on that play, obviously he doesn't go down the seam for. 25 yards and, and get into field goal range. But anyway, um, I'll try to, you know, yeah. when, I, when I run into an NFL coach, I'll ask them to. There you go. Go right ahead. <laughs> Probably going to be never. Anyway, other question on um, uh, Rams' defensive rush and right. what maybe Mr. Burrow is facing and maybe how this is different uh, than the other defenses he's played. He had, he had a the Raider game, average quarterback, maybe upper – you know, with Carr, maybe a little above average, you know, mm-hmm. with not a great defense. And then he has Tennessee with a really good defense, but he was play- they were playing against the very mediocre quarterback in Tannehill. And then, you know, they, they've now they've what they've got is a very good pass rush and a yes. good quarterback on the other side of the ball. And it just 
seems like Kansas City got to him a few times, and I don't know how he slithered out some of those sack attempts. It was just amazing. But I think Mr. Donald and Mr. Miller are going to offer a little different type of uh, situation if they're close to him in a in a sack. Yeah, and don't forget uh, Mr. Don't, Mr. Floyd, Mr. Leonard Floyd. Don't forget yep. him. Yep. But I'll tell you where, because uh, no. here's the interesting thing, and this is what's got to be a little bit scary to the Bengals, is that uh, Chris Jones, you know, is you know, one of the best defensive tackles in football, was able to get you know a bunch of pressure. But Chris Jones, as mm-hmm. good as he is, uh, as, as great as he is, I, I don't think he's had a sack in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong yeah. on that, but I think I, I mean, saw that stat, and it's like, yeah. whoa, that's, that's incredible. I mean, you know, obviously pressures can be good, and if yeah. you get a quarterback off his spot, you know that can change things. But this Stafford's got a lot of experience. He'll he'll throw up, he'll throw a pick here and there that can oh, yeah, that's really uh, really hurt the team. But um, I just I just feel like that that defense is finally maybe going to catch up with that Cincinnati offensive line. I could see or, it. You know, with a defensive line as good as the Rams are, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, well, I'll let you go, and I'll hear more. Uh, I'm, are you on next Saturday, Professor? Every Saturday, yeah. Okay, just checking in. I'm oh, sure yeah. it'll no. be Super Bowl mania talk, so I'll, yeah. I'll listen in and, and get your uh, get the latest. You, you, Thanks and, for and all you your could, time, and uh, have a good day. Yeah, because as you know, that's the eve of the Super Bowl. Let's go to R.C. in Monroe. Hey, R.C. Hey, John. Hey. hey, I just want to say two things before I get to my question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, one, hey, I work with Bill. Your caller, Bill. You work with Bill. Your caller, Bill. Oh, okay, that's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, two, he's not a true Seahawks fan. He's a he's a Cooper Cup fan. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. let's, put, let's, put, let's put it this way. I I still go back. I remember doing the sidelines down in Los Angeles. You know, for the uh, Seahawks game. And that was Cooper Cup's first chance to play. And I looked yeah. at him and I said, "Whoa, this guy's really good." And that was the yeah, first. Yeah, he is good. I mean, and, and that was good. that was the first game that he really started doing things because you know they were able to throw the ball to him in the middle of the field, and he was just yeah. great. But again, I still yeah. it's like a, one of those vivid memories that you get you know when you're covering games and things like that, and you say, yeah. "Whoa, look at this guy." Yeah, I'm just glad he is from our state. I just wish we could have had him on our team. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what it is, but <clears throat> if you look at uh, you know what the Rams do, they take a bunch of guys from either Washington in the state of Washington. You know, they're real big on that. I mean, because yeah. so it's like uh, you know they they have good scouts up here taking a look at the talent up here in the state of Washington. Yeah, because you know, yeah. they got Victor Rapp. I mean, Greg Gibson's doing such a good job at the defensive tackle. So it's like, uh, yeah, there's they, they they do a good job of that. Yeah, they sure do. And two, I I really think the Bengals are going to pull out a victory. Mm-hmm. I just just how they came back from 18 point deficit was just phenomenal. It really was. I mean, and, was- and that quarterback is. I mean, again. I, I respect so many of the quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks, because there's like nine, nine quarterbacks in the AFC, 26 years or younger. And I'm not counting, you know, the uh, Houston quarterback or some of the, but I'm talking about there's nine quality quarterbacks, 26 or younger. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be a new, 
I don't, evolution, I should say, yeah. of quarterbacks that are coming up, how they're playing. Just totally different from quarterbacks 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, what's, what's going to be interesting to see <clears throat> is how how well they can dominate any interconference games. Like, I was surprised. Like, uh, I thought that, uh, you know, particularly this past year uh, with the, you know, the NFC having the extra road game and the AFC getting the extra home game, that there was going to be a big difference in the interconference games. But it turned out to be, you know, 29, 30, and 1 or something like that. It's like there's only a one-game difference. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be you know, bigger next year because you've got a lot more NFC teams that don't have the quarterback, and you'll have more AFC teams with the quarterback. Right. Right. Okay, now my question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I just kind of heard, because I was in and out of my car yesterday, I kind of heard a little bit about what's going on with the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Yeah. Did we hire somebody, or did we just interview somebody? No, it's, and again, it hasn't been confirmed by the team yet, but supposedly uh, they're promoting Clint Hurt, the defensive line coach, who is a great coach, and then they're bringing in Ed Donatell to uh, you know work on the defensive staff. And then, uh, you know, Sean Deshai, who's they interviewed for the defensive coordinator job, you know, they're looking at him. But I know, as I said, just I think at the beginning of the segment, you know, he's interviewing today for the New York Giant defensive coordinator job. So I don't know, you know, where that stands. He's going against Wink Martindale, who was fired by Baltimore. So it's like, oh, okay. But again, that doesn't mean he's going to take it. I mean, doesn't mean he's going to get offered it. Right. I mean, who wouldn't want to come to the Seahawks? I know. Seahawks, Bears, uh, I think I'll take the Hawks. Uh-huh. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, of course, I mean, sure, if you're Sean Desai right now, you don't have a job. Right. Because, you know, they they fired, uh, you know, Matt Nagy, and so uh, that whole staff has been let go. Wow. So when um, – oh, I shouldn't say – I mean – I know the Hawks kind of, they like to announce everything yeah. all at once. So who else do they need to hire? Uh, it's, I mean, they probably need one more defensive coach. I, don't, I think they they may be okay on the defensive line. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think coaching-wise, yeah, because, you know, I, you know I, I thought, for example, Gus Bradley was going to be the guy. He ended up taking the Colts job yesterday. But what I like uh, about this move is that now you've got two guys. Yeah, because you've got Clint Hurt and you've got uh-huh. Donatell. And so that's two, and then we'll see if they can get the shy. But, uh, no, I, I like that a lot. Okay, that's good. That mm-hmm. sounds good. Hey, thank you for the phone call. All right, thank you, John. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Bob in Bellevue. Hey, Bob. Hey, John. It's good to hear you, and always good to hear that you're doing well. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. No problem. Um, I wanted to talk about this Brian Flores lawsuit that's going on. As a person of color myself, you know, being a Steelers fan first and, Mm -hmm. of course, the Seahawks, what is going on with Roger Goodell, and why does this man still have a job? This uh, is my comment about it, because it's been 10 years since he's already made comments about he wanting to change and bring in more minorities. Mm-hmm. And I called this show before about three years ago demanding, or not demanding, but just asking, when are we going to have coaches that look like me or look like 
someone else instead of just, you know, the, the, the same old, same old. And yeah. I've come to the conclusion that it seems like in the NFL, owners want coaches that certain, that coaches that fit a certain mold. People that look like them. Yeah. And, you know, look at all the owners here. And I'm just like, why, what is it? What is the issue with hiring a black man as a coach? What is the issue of hiring a Hispanic man as a defensive coach? Why is it? And it, it starts in college, too. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the coaches and all the assistant coaches, they start young and they're all white. We got one black coach. Yes, it's ridiculous. I think it's time that Roger Goodell gets fired. Why does this man still have a job? He has failed. And Bill Belichick, who the hell is this guy? He seems to be knowing the scam is a scam. So I'd like to get your comments on this, you know, because it's just, to me, I'm finding it very pathetic, and I'm hanging on a thread uh-huh. and still being a fan mm-hmm. of the NFL. Well, the, uh, the, the, the reason Roger Goodell is uh, going to stay as the commissioner is, you know, the revenue $16 billion a year heading toward 25, and it's going to make a big jump coming up in 2022. So uh, revenue is the key, and what do owners like? Revenue. Money. Okay, so it's like you, you. So that's not going to change. I mean, uh, uh, it, it was interesting. There was a story that came out yesterday, and I think there's validity to it. And see if you agree that uh, Roger made a mistake when he didn't find the uh, uh, the, the then Oakland Raiders uh, when they hired John Gruden because they didn't do anything as far as uh, you know the Rooney Rule. They just went on and paid him you know ten years, hundred million dollars. And that was about it. And so uh, <clears throat> they think that uh, because as somebody who wrote this, uh, there was like, you know, five minority coaches hired since then, and they all, they've all been fired. So yeah. do you think there's validity to that? Definitely. You know, I don't I, see. I, I am not smart enough to understand why they get away with this. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I remember that. I thought the Raiders got fined for that, too, you know, when they just hired him, you know, without any interviews. You know, it's, oh, okay, no problem. And wasn't that the same case with the coach in Dallas? Or did they actually do the, you know, interview with two no, coaches? No, they, 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 uh, Dallas did, uh, they, they did okay. I mean, they, they complied. I mean, Jerry Jones is not going to comply with the rules and anything of that nature. So it's like, uh, you know, they, they, they had their minority interviews because I think, you know, they, they at least did one or two on staff. Because, you know, back then, I mean, you can actually just you know, have the minority interviews uh, being on staff. And then maybe but uh, what they did this past year is that you have yeah. to make one external visit from you know somebody. Who would be good, a uh, good commissioner for the NFL and who does walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll. Pete yeah. Carroll. Yeah. but I mean, that guy is out there every time telling us, asking us, come on, man, can we not just work this out and he is and i'm gonna drop the subject real quick and go to joe burrow yeah that kid needs to wake up man you know his comment about his diamond crusted nike ring (laughs) what is he wearing that for he is an awesome qb and i think he is gonna be the afc you know what he's done that game was amazing right that what's that's what makes me a fan still to this day that kid is going to be awesome, but keep your jewelry stuff to yourself. I agree. I yeah. know, you know yeah. that was just stupid. Yeah. But I know a lot of players do that on both sides. You know, like, 
wearing the flashy jewelry, but I don't even think the reporter should have asked him that question if it's real or not. Yeah, but uh, that's the one thing. If we have a chance to ask, we're gonna we're gonna ask just to see you know what's true and what's not true. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. If he goes to the AFC, do you think he's gonna dominate like he did here in the NFC with all those new young QBs in he there? He won't dominate. I mean, yeah. You know they'll be competitive, but he won't dominate like he has uh, with Green Bay because it's just gonna be that much tougher. Because I mean you know we, I mean th- when you think about this. You know, one of the things that's so tough for a young quarterback is winning that first playoff game. Now, Joe Burrow has been able to do it and all that stuff. But, you know, because, again, you're going against great quarterbacks. Well, now in the regular season, you get great quarterbacks almost every week. Yeah. I mean, so it's like dominate? No. I don't think anybody's going to dominate. Would you still agree that the NFC West is still the strongest division in the NFL? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I have to, too. No, in fact, one one of the things I said... This week, you know, with New Orleans, New Orleans losing Sean Payton, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably leaving Green Bay. I mean, you yep. basically have only five playoff teams, four teams yeah. in this division, the NFC West and uh, Dallas. That's it. That's where I agree with you. I read that article you wrote, and I think the Seahawks do have a strong opportunity not only just to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but to actually win the division. Yes, I agree. Yeah, because again, yeah. the thing I wrote in the article is that uh, you know they are playing the NFC South, which is now a diminished division. You know, they've got the third, the fourth place schedule. So instead of playing the top teams, you know, in three three different divisions, you know, they've got uh, you know Detroit, the New York Jets, and the New York Giants. Those are winnable games. So the tough part yeah. is you know. Uh, in the NFC West, but then, I mean, the way this division is, they all like to beat up on each other. And so the chance of going three and three in the division, which they were three and three last year are pretty good, but in the non-division games, they could do great. Hey, Bob, thank you for the phone call. Let's go to Ed in Denver. Hey, Ed. Good morning, JC. Good morning. Glad to hear you're feeling better and got some rest. Yep. I need more, but at least I'm feeling better. And is Pat doing better as well? No, she's been, she's been fine. Yeah, excellent. Hey, I want to take you on a trip down memory lane, and then I have sort of a proposal for you. Okay. So here's uh, the season. You remember the 19... 19- so since the Rams were in the Super Bowl, this is a Rams story, mm-hmm. um, but more of a Viking story in many ways. So you remember the 1969 Rams who started the season 11-0 and um, and then went on to lose the very first game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you remember that at all? Uh, um, to to, to a degree, because that's, I mean, uh, I, 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 mean I, I didn't follow it. I mean, I obviously followed it a lot, but I didn't start covering the 1972. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, so, uh, a, it's a distant memory. I remember you thinking that the Packers uh, Niners game was, uh, you know, like I thought yeah. probably the Packers would dominate that. So it was certainly surprising to me, and I assume to you that uh, the Niners end up winning that game, and not only winning it, mm-hmm. um, but winning it in interesting fashion and right. playing pretty well in some pretty adverse conditions. Well, that's why I tried to so stay. I that's, say, why I, that's why. That's yeah. why I stayed away from predictions in the last, uh, you know, three four months. 
Because, you know, it's like, look at the no, chance of being predictions wrong. Have been, predictions have been difficult. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the football pools I participate in involves picking the games and rating them from uh-huh. 1 to 16, depending on how certain you are. I think I did about the worst I've ever done um, in that poll, and the, the person who won, I, I really have no idea how they did it. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, where I was going with the Rams in 1969, so they played uh, the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs, you know, after they started the year 11-0. and um, they were one and done in the playoffs, so they played the Vikings in Minnesota in a snowstorm. Um, you know, and after that happened, everyone was saying, oh, California teams are soft, they can't play in the snow, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, so that made it, uh, I think, particularly interesting watching that Packers-Niners game. Mm-hmm. No, true. I mean... So here's my... Pr- go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. So here's my proposal for you. I'm going to name six players on the Seahawks, and we're going to say whether they're here next year or not. And if I get it right more than you, then uh, I get a slot uh, weekly on your show. And if you get it right, uh, you get to do whatever. Okay. Well, you got a slot weekly um, on the so show here, anyway, so it's like, but so, but uh, go right yeah, ahead. No, I'm with you. Okay. So here I go. So Rashad Penny, I say, not on the team next year. I say he's back. Five point two million a year. It's a good deal for Rashad Penny. I agree. Mm-hmm. I and and it may be a little bit less, else. but I think you know. But I mean, because no, no running back in free agency is going to get more than six. Didn't happen last year. Yeah, and the reason the reason he's going to be on the team is because other teams are going to be wary of him with his injury history. Right. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Number two. All right, next, Bobby Wagner. I say yes. Yes, I say yes. I think he'll be back. Um, he'll take Diggs, a pay cut. I say yes. Yeah, I say yes to Diggs. Yeah, Wagner's going to have to take a pay cut. Yeah. I say yes on Diggs. Gerald Edward, I say no. Uh, I, I, still think he can, I, I still think he can come back. I'll go yes on him. Okay. Will Disley, I say yes. Yeah, I would agree. Dwayne yeah. Brown, I say no. No, I would I would tend to agree too. It doesn't look promising, even though he was selected for his fifth Pro Bowl, and <clears throat> he'll be at the Pro Bowl tomorrow, you because know, he, he ends up replacing Trent Williams. So hey, but okay, so we got the six. So how did how did I do? Did I do do okay? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Yeah, so we agree on everyone except yeah. uh, Penny. Except uh, Penny, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, but I've got to run. All right. Okay. Talk, John. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rob in Olympia. Hey, Rob. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. I was uh, wondering if I could get your opinion on um, pro football reference, putting the uh, unofficial sack numbers on their site, and also uh, how dominant uh, Coy Bacon was in 76 and Al Baker was in uh, 78. 
Yeah, no, they were they were fantastic. And really, I mean, I, th- I think it's Jim Tunney that uh, did all the research for the you know the back uh, numbers, and then you know Pro Football Reference, which does a great job of accumulating you know information, you know, put it in there, which I thought was a great thing to do. So it's what you know Pro, pro Football uh, Reference did not research that. And again, a, a guy that's been covering this league i mean you know as a as a researcher as a stat guy as an observer uh is you know, i think it was him that did that and uh, he does such a great job of doing it because i mean you have to think one i mean they weren't counting sacks two you had to figure out okay what can be considered a sack and then three you know how many are can it go to a certain player and all those different things and he was able to do that and so, uh, but no, it's like to be able to see those type of sacks carried out longer than they were counting sacks, I think was great. I was also wondering if I can ask you what you think those uh, morons that the Texans are going to do, whether or not Watson's going to be traded before or during the 2022 draft mm-hmm. or cut or what, whatever they're going to do. Everything I hear uh, is that they're leaning toward hiring Josh McCown, Josh McCown, the quarterback, <clears throat> with no head coaching experience and no coaching experience whatsoever, but that's <clears throat> typical Texans. And then uh, the, the the other thing was, you know, the Watson trade, <clears throat> you know, could be a little more complicated. I, mean, I, I I think that you know Carolina is going to be the team that goes for him the most, you know, because I know that that's what uh, Tepper, the owner, David Tepper, that that's what he wants. I mean, he wants Watson, you know, like, for example, some people wonder about Miami being involved, but right now Miami's such a mess. I can't, even though they have the draft choices and everything else, that very well might not happen, and they may just stick with Tua. Now, again, we'll find out in the next, uh, oh, by tomorrow or Monday, whether they're hiring Kellen Moore or Mike McDaniels, the uh, 49er offensive coordinator, and where he stands on the quarterback situation but right now you know the the watson thing gets a little bit more complicated but ultimately he'll be traded but you don't know um whether it's going to be before uh have to it would have to be it would would have to be before because if you're going to be a team that uh is looking for a quarterback you don't want to wait that long you want to get it done and so it's like if you're going to wait till after the draft then you know what are you going to do at quarterback? It was, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, if you're uh, Carolina, for example, are you going to stay with Sam Darnold? <clears throat> you know, you're not going to bring uh, Cam Newton back. So, oh, I think it's done before the draft if there's going to be a trade. But I think there'll be. Uh, a trade. Do, you know, do you know what his cap hit for them is uh, this year if he uh, if he's on the team? Uh, I didn't look at it, so I'd have to do a little bit of research on that. So I do not have that right now. Hey, but thank you for the phone call. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. Kind of a slow week, nothing going on, huh? Oh, no, just real quiet. (laughs) Unbelievable, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. Hey, I wanted to start out, first of all, my wife made me watch it. I usually don't watch it, but watching Russell yesterday uh, in that pro skills challenge, if we keep him clean in the pocket, you see what he can do. Oh, no question. I mean, he's such a great player. He is. And then you guys were talking earlier about Cooper Cup. I got a comp for you. 
I look at Cooper Cup play, and what I see is a bigger, faster Steve Largent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I was doing some just pie-in-the-sky daydreaming about the Seahawks roster, and I couldn't help but think we have to find a defensive tackle in the Cam Jordan, Cam Hayward mold. Mm-hmm. Put there next to next to next to Puna. Right. And I was also thinking about the wide receiver. How good would a Tyler Boyd or a T. Higgins look on the Seahawks? Mm, I mean, look good because again, what you're looking at is a third receiver, and they're big <sighs> receivers. Oh yeah, big receivers. Yeah, there's no doubt. You but, know, and then um, I wanted to comment on the on the Flores situation. Yeah. You know, we talked earlier about previously about ownership has its privileges right but with those privileges also comes responsibility and accountability mm-hmm. the nfl owners and i'm not going to general broad brush all of them but there's a particular group of owners in there these are just kind of like frat boys and they're just behaving badly mm-hmm. the the responsibility of the owners is to run the franchise as ethically as possible profitably as possible and to win football games right right and these guys have lost track of that. The, you, I've often heard you say that in some instances the NFL is a copycat league. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the stuff they're copying as far as their treatment of employees, the uh, NFL minority coaching situation, this stuff, this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum, and it can't continue to happen. You had an earlier caller asking what can be done about this. The solution to this is, is, is pretty simple, really. You have to have minority ownership in the league and if the nfl doesn't straighten up their act something's going to happen to them that you always talk about you would would not like to see but congress is going to get involved Mm -hmm. because the nfl gets certain privileges as far as tax status and everything else via congress right and with the political situation in this country going on with nobody getting along politically and get anything done otherwise this is the kind of stuff that congressmen, senators, and stuff can sink their teeth into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they can use it for political hay. Yeah. So I think the NFL should be very careful in getting this in 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 trying to control this because you can't PR and Madison Avenue yourself out of this one. No, but uh, you know, I, you know, I'd like to stay away from the politics and stuff <clears throat> like that. But uh, you know, something needs to be done because again, it's just out of control. I mean, you know, if it goes the way that I think it's going to go, if McCown gets the job uh, in Houston, you know, we know it's either going to be uh, Kellen Moore or McDaniels uh, over uh, there in, Mi- in Miami. I mean, you just shake your head and you go, wow. Right. Hey, yeah. are you – let me ask you this. The, the Belichick angle in this. Yeah. Are you buying that he really didn't know who he was emailing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see why – I, well, I was wondering what his relationship with the Giants organization would be. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, well, I mean, the, the big thing, it has nothing to do with the Giants. It has everything to do with Brian Dable. Okay. Yeah, because Brian Dable used to work uh, for Belichick, just like uh, Flores did. Right. They're, 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 so, so yes. it just might have been Brian on his, on his email chain, and he just hit Brian. Huh? Yeah, he hit the wrong one. Hey, got, got to run here. Take care. Okay, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.